And now, coming to you from the gleaming spires of Chicago, broadcasting throughout the multiverse, the Nine Realms, Niflheim, Svartalfheim, Olympus, Nidaveller, basically anywhere that has the internet, really, we proudly present Radio Free Asgard. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Radio Free Asgard, episode number 232, the only Thor podcast hosted by a true descendant of Odin and a proud member of the Comics Podcast Network, back from hiatus and trying to get back into our normal production schedule again now after a few weeks off. Yeah, um, it is kind of strange because at the same time that I'm doing this, I'm also looking for a job and I'm also looking for an apartment and starting to try to think about uh, packing stuff up and you know even though it seems like I've had a lot of free time it really hasn't been as much as you would think so <laughs> it's amazing how busy doing nothing can be if you know what I mean but uh, yeah I've been been trying to get caught up on stuff that I missed while I was out of the country and there's always these little bits and pieces of of things that cropped up while I was gone and th those are things I'm having to address as well on the Thor movie front, no new news in the last week, but then again, I'm a couple weeks behind and maybe we'll, you know, maybe by the time that this airs, there will be something new that I haven't had a chance. I'm trying to get a couple weeks ahead on the production schedule, so whereas you'll be hearing this on the second week of July, I've actually, I'm recording it at the end of June, so I am trying to get a little bit ahead on the show as not to... Uh, have too many interruptions in the production schedule. I, I hate to miss weeks, especially after coming back from a three and a half month hiatus. But yeah, sometimes that's just the way things work. All right, so we do have an extra long issue of Thor to cover this week. So let's just go ahead and get right to our review. Cross the rainbow bridge of Asgard, where the booming heavens roar. You'll behold in breathless wonder. And this week we are looking at the Mighty Thor Annual for 2000. It uh, came out in the spring of uh, the year 2000. Cover art is by Jerry Ordway. Beautiful cover here. Uh, looks like uh, Dan Jurgens may have had a hand in this cover as well. Shows Thor struggling with Loki over Thor's hammer. And then we have... Uh, sort of an in an inset sort of ghostly characters of, of two Jake Olsons fighting each other and that'll make much more sense when we get into the issue. The cover blurb is the final fate of Jake Olson plus Thanos. We open up to the splash page where we have the title of the story. Final confrontation. Dan Jurgens was the writer, Jerry Ordway the artist, Moose Bauman was the colorist. R.S. and Comicrafts, Wes Abbott was the letterer, Tom Brevort was the editor, and Bob Harris was the editor-in-chief. The splash page shows Thor getting ready to take off back towards Earth, apparently, after his fight with the Mangog. That was back in uh, Thor number 523, which we covered the last issue. And he's whipping his hammer around. He's saying, Stand ye back, as guardian mortal alike. Though all sense of honor demands, I take up pursuit of Thanos and Mangog at once. "'Tis most urgent. "'Tis also urgent that I return now to Midgard, 
For there must Thor end the life of his mortal guise, Jake Olsen, forever. And we see in the background, Odin is there, and Jane, and Sif, who's kind of leaning up tiredly against a, a broken pillar, because remember, she was wounded by in the battle. Jane lunges forward. End Jake's life? Thor, you can't. Alas, my lady, Jane, my obligation to live out Olsen's life must end, for a threat beyond any e'er known endangers us all. A threat so large the god of thunder must shun the affairs of mortal man. Even now, Thanos and Mangog, both evil-embodied, are working side by side and have captured the Chalice of Ruins and the Map of All Ending. And Odin pipes in, Oi, my son! Thus do they seek to capture the most special of beings in all of existence, the Designate. Should they harness the power of the Designate, they shall become welders of the finality. Instantly able to unleash wave after wave of death across the universe entire. But there are so many people who depend on Jake, like Hannah and her daughter, not to mention the lives he saves as a paramedic. Well, you know, that kind of, compared to the fate of the universe, is kind of shit. <laughs> Does a life rooted in falsehood and failure, my lady, says Thor. From the very first day I did assume yon mortal's life, I've been plagued by problems and false accusations. Even now, the lawkeepers of Midgard seek Jake's arrest. Then go back and fix those troubles, but don't run away. Mind thy words, mortal, warns Odin. Fond as I might be of thee. Since when? Tis blasphemy to suggest the son of Odin is a coward. I apologize, my lord, but his decision is so rash. Mayhap this is for the best, my lady, says Thor. Hast thou not spoken of another Jake Olsen who walks among thee? He's a murderer, Thor. The product is some trick or illusion. It's you who's needed. It's you who Hannah depends on. Alas, life throughout the cosmos doth depend on Thor now, and it is to them that I must be true. Tis for that reason alone that I go now to surrender Jake Olsen to the authorities. Fare thee well, my lady. And he does the Ajax white tornado thing. In this case, they color it yellow, so it's not very white. And he goes zipping off to Earth, leaving Jane Foster behind <laughs> in, in Asgard. Great. Well, isn't this great? He's off to create a huge mess on Earth, and I'm stuck here in Asgard. Worry not, mortal, for thou art well known to me, and the kindness of Odin shall be visited upon thy person. Now, you know... I could be wrong here, but doesn't Odin have the ability to send her back to Earth pretty much whenever he wants? Um, okay, anyway. You mean you'll stop Thor from doing this and go after Thanos yourself? Weakened as I am from Tarakis's potions, I am unable to fight as a god must. The Thunder God must battle Thanos alone without the weight of mortal man upon his shoulders. Still, twould be my pleasure to return thee to Midgard if thou dost so wish. Okay, so I guess he can. Look... I know Thor is up against something big, but that doesn't mean he has to burn any bridges. And Sif finally speaks up here, having recovered uh, somewhat. I beg thee, hear her out, my liege. She is worthy of thy trust. Thank you, Sif. It's nice having somebody back me up a bit. T'was not very long ago that we shared one body. Two lives lived as one, much as Thor and Jake Olsen. We are not unlike sisters. Odin, I'm sure you remember there has been a few times in the past when I questioned your wisdom. I advise thee tread carefully, mortal. And <laughs> Odin doesn't look too happy in um, one of his raven's lands here on his shoulder. 
Think of me as a representative of Jake, who's as much a part of Thor as his hammer, or even his right arm. Ooh, foreshadowing 30 years in advance. Enough! I would hear no more of this. With all due respect, Odin, that's always been our problem, hasn't it? You've always supported Thor's commitment to the cosmos, but are willing to see him dump on the mortals who depend on him. Enough! Still thy tongue, for my patience is at an end. Please, I'd mean no insult. I only want you to understand. There's a proud woman who loves Jake, who doesn't deserve to have him taken away. Moreover, there's something sinister at work here as well. Sinister? I know not what of what you speak. Well, someone has been messing with Thor big time. I mean, if the real Jake Olsen did actually die, how can there be two of them now? And why is one of them so evil? And the raven on uh, Odin's shoulder speaks up. Hold! The mortal doth give me pause to wonder. The true Jake Olsen died. Tis impossible for this other to be he, unless... Unless someone didst raise him from the dead, eh, Heskimar? Come, we must investigate this further. And they rush into Thor's throne room here. And Balder seems to have joined them while nobody was watching. There's a couple other warrior types here, uh, but Balder's here amongst them now. Let the flames of truth cast light upon the shrouded mystery. And Odin raises his arms and he starts doing, uh, you know, some sort of magical incantation. Naught but a magical flame can pierce the shrouds of deception which are present. Let the black corners of deceit fall to the will of Odin on the omnipotent. And there's an image forming in the fire, and Jane says, Look, something's forming. The flame must obey the commands of Odin, says Balder. And they see an alleyway on Earth, and it looks like uh, Jake Olsen is uh, in the alleyway, and he's pulling a gun out of his jacket. Midgard, says Balder, and yon mortal must be Jake Olsen. Yes, and judging by the gun, the other one. Aye, for the Odin son would never arm himself with such a cowardly weapon. And a voice is uh, coming from over Jake's head. Prepare thyself, mortal. Thy robbery must soon take place. That voice! Someone doth guide this mortal to evil. Heed the bidding of thy master, my flame. Even if the speaker is in a spirit form, invisible to us all, I command thee to overcome his spell of secrecy and reveal the scoundrel now. And they see a ghostly astral image of Loki floating over Jake Olson's head, looking very much back in his uh, Bronze Age kind of John Buscema ugly phase. He's, he's, he's not the handsome Loki that we had during the Simonson era by any means. Take thy weapon into the adjoining place of business and plunder its cash box, my hapless stooge. Only then will my victory over my half-brother be ensured. And I am having a little bit of trouble with that. Exactly how is that going to happen? Because, you know, robbing a store, you know, that's going to defeat Thor, right? <laughs> As you wish, says Jake. Hello's black kiss, says Odin. Tis the one whose existence shames me as no other. My errant offspring, Loki the trickster. There, you see? Loki must have brought Jake back to life for the whole purpose of bedeviling Thor. You have to let Thor know so he can stop him. Alas, we haven't the time, says Odin. Please, Odin. Your son bailed Asgard out of the mess with the Dark Gods. You owe him this one. 
Can an hour be too much to ask to end Loki's miserable interference once and for all? <laughs> and Odin is not real happy about this, but uh, J- Jane has turned her back on Odin kind of in a huff and says, like, hmm. Forgive her impudent nature, my lord, says Sif. She is but a mortal and knows no better. Yet her impassioned plea rings sure with wisdom, says Balder. What? Thou wouldst take up her cause and over the will and wisdom of thy monarch? My liege, thou knowest well that Balder is ever thy humble servant. Still, on bended knee, I beg thee consider well the pleas of Jane Foster. Odin thinks about this for a moment, and finally, as is, So be it! Never let it be said, even when the shadow of doom looms over us all, that omnipotent Odin is without compassion. And he waves his hands, and is casting some kind of spell into the fire. Let ring the cry of justice! Let the fires of the sun itself burn through Loki's tapestry of deceit and lies. Let the words of Odin be carried forth to Midgard, that the god of thunder might know the truth at last. And uh, Thor is here flying through the air in New York City, and he, uh, he says out loud, By the bristling beard of Odin, a strange and compelling sound, a voice doth seem to rise all around me, as though the wind itself hath taken life. Such an occurrence can only be the work of Odin. And Odin's ghostly face appears in front of Thor, and Thor lands on top of the Empire State Building, and he's uh, talking to his father here. Take heed, my son, for before thy plans be carried through, thou must needs know that evil engineered thy misery. Speakest thou quickly, father, says Thor. With every passing second, the deadly threat of Thanos increases tenfold. Thy travails as Jacobs, and were not the product of fate, but the machinations of thy brother, Loki himself. Loki down in the streets below, as Jake Olsen renewed with twisted life does Loki's bidding. And he summons a, an image here of, of uh, uh, Jake Olsen going in with his gun to rob the liquor store. Heimdall's eyes! Though Thanos represents a threat beyond Ragnarok itself, such an affront to the Odin son cannot go unchallenged. And we cut to the inside of the store where we have Jake Olson and he's holding up the liquor store. And Loki is there, but it's, uh, he's solid. He doesn't really look like the ghostly form, but I, I guess he's, he's really invisible. Step back, old man. Nice and slow. Easy, son. You don't want to do this. See? Your mug will be all over the news. Give it up, son, while you still can. And he's pointing at the a camera who's capturing all the stuff. Tis a plan born of perfection, says Loki. Yon mortal technology shall capture the merchant's death, and brother Thor will be arrested, sure. So foolishly honorable is he that he might well sit in prison for years. And um, somebody's coming through the door, and, the guy, and Jake is like, Huh? Someone coming in. And Loki is surprised by this. Nay, it cannot be. And the, the, uh, the store owner's like, Holy Joe, what kind of mess is this? And this person is coming in, and uh, the uh, evil Jake Olson turns around. He's like, You! And uh, the person speaks, Put it down before someone gets hurt. It's, it's like looking in a mirror, says evil Jake. Twins, says the, the store owner. You shouldn't be here. You know that. Give me the gun now. Only thing I'm going to give you is a slug. You did this to me. You stole my life. Someone stole your piece, but it wasn't me. 
you don't belong here. You have to go back. And uh, Loki is uh, floating in the air behind. He's shouting out, Listen not to him. Kill the impersonator. Only then wilt thou have thy life back. Yeah, you're right. Who are you talking to, says good Jake. Loki, he's here, isn't he? Huh, I don't care who's here, says the store owner, and he seems to have acquired a little gun of his own. Y'all don't mess with Donald P. Stuvig. He uh, is, is pulling the gun on Jake, and the evil Jake turns around, and, and the good Jake's trying to stop him. Don't! And he shoots and hits uh, Donald J. Stuvig in, in the chest from the looks of it with a crack. And he falls down, and uh, the good Jake has tackled the evil Jake, and Loki is um, kibitzing from his ghostly form here. Turn thy weapon and fire again, my warrior. If Thor's mortal self is killed, Thor dies as well. Why did you do it, says good Jake? Why did you shoot? The voice, the voice told me to, says evil Jake. Scum, you're a thief, a drug dealer. You used Hannah. You have to pay for what you've done. And the two of them are engaging in fisticuffs, and they're knocking down bottles of liquor, making a basically a big mess. And I'm going to see that you do, says the good Jake. I'll not see the rest victory from my grasp, Thor. Jake uh, is trying to attend to the, uh, the shop owner. He's been shot in the stomach. And he's like, I'm a doctor. Let me help. I'm dying. Not if I have anything to say about it, you won't. Hang in there, fella. I can patch you up well enough before the EMTs get here with their equipment. So I'm assuming that he called 911 as well. Get thee up, Charles, says Loki. Get thee to thy feet and slay the hateful scourge. And yeah, evil Jake is just kind of weighing there. Alas, the mortal slug is lost to unconsciousness. Therefore, if Thor is to at last enter the realm of the dead, tis the hand of Loki that must send him there whilst ensconced in a mortal shell. And Loki jumps into the evil Jake's body, all dead man-like, and is kind of a purple, psychedelic little swirl thing, which actually, I, I kind of like that effect. It looks pretty cool. And he gets um, evil Jake, and he stands up, and he picks up the gun, and uh, good Jake is still attending to the shop owner, and the, the shop owner's like, dying, I'm dying. no. No one's going to die if I have anything to say about it. And the evil Jake comes up behind him and says, Be thou not so sure, my errant sibling. And uh, we then shift scenes back to Odin's throne room, and the, they're watching this all happen through, through the flame. And um, Baldur's like, The depths of thine eldest son's evil know no bounds, my lord. It's true. If you don't do something now, Loki will kill Thor. Thou art wise beyond all others, my liege, and I beg thy forgiveness for questioning that wisdom. But art thou certain ye shouldst remain uninvolved in the conflict twixt thine offspring? Thor's renowned as a warrior born, capable of coping with any foe, is sung far and wide, Balder. For a father to interfere in the business of brothers would be unseemly. And yet, ne'er before hath the stakes been so high, the consequences so dire. My errant son hath raised my ire for the last and final time. The time hath come for Odin to intercede, for there shall come a reckoning. And he's all angry looking here. And uh, he appears, his astral form appears in the liquor store. Or maybe it's his real form, because it looks like both Jakes see him. And uh, he's standing in front of him and says, Loki, 
Thou dost dare too much. Evil as thou art, still art thou subject to the will of thy father and liege. Drop thy weapon and takest need before thy lord and master. I say thee nay, not when victory is at hand, not what I can win. And uh, uh, apparently they're both invisible to the camera because we get the camera view here of, uh, of this happening and you don't see either Loki or, uh, or Odin here. Don't press it, brother. It's not worth it, says good Jake. Oi, put that weapon to use against Thor and I shall forever exile thee to the unending infinity of lost souls, ne'er to view the splendors of Asgard again. But... Tis not thy place to question the will of Odin. And Odin waves his hand and actually looks like he's physically pulling Loki's spirit out of uh, the evil Jake's body. Tis only thy place to accept thy punishment. From this day forward, let thy spiritual form be permanently imprisoned in yon mortal body, stripped of thine Asgardian power and unable to depart until thou hast earned thy freedom. And because apparently he's uh, resealed uh, Loki in, in evil Jake's body. And he's like, I can't leave. I'm mortal. And we then shift scenes and we're at the police station. And we have, uh, it looks like uh, Demetrius. He's uh, uh, looking at um, uh, the, the, the footage here of what went on in the liquor store. And he's like, whoa, this is just about the wildest thing I've ever seen. Jake Olsen has himself a twin brother. This is news to me, Mr. Murdoch. And so we have uh, Matt Murdoch here, the, the lawyer uh, who's, you know, daredevil, as everyone knows. Very few know of this fact, Detective Collins. Jake's twin brother is considered by the family to be something of a black sheep. As you examine the videotape, you'll see that Lauren Olsen is clearly the guilty party. Furthermore, a fingerprint examination will prove that Lauren had been using Jake's name for months and is the sole guilty party in stealing drugs from the hospital. Guess it's time for me to come clean, Demetrius. Wouldn't want to disappoint my father by lying any longer. Until he came to New York, Jake had no idea I was posing as him. All the bad stuff that happened, it was my doing and mine alone. So, this is Jake. Wait, so, wait, so this is Loki as Lauren confessing that sound? This is all kind of weird. You're saying it was you I first rode with? That I couldn't tell the difference when the real Jake showed? Why didn't you tell me you had a twin brother, says Hannah. Hannah, even I didn't know for sure what he was up to. I only figured it out recently. Detective, says Matt Murdock, you also have the results of their lie detector tests, which confirmed their statements. Jake Olson wanted to stop his brother's illegal activities. Lauren's crimes were his alone, especially his attempt to murder Detective O'Neill. I'll continue the investigation, Mr. Murdock. For now, though, Jake is free to go while brother Lauren goes to the lockup. Frankly, I'm glad it worked out this way, Jake. I always wanted you, or one of you, to be innocent. Thanks, Demetrius. Good to know we're friends again. And it uh, looks like Matt Murdock is leaving, and he's like, That takes care of that, Mr. Olson. The police will have more questions, but I'd say you're home free. Thanks, Mr. Murdock. If not for your work, my brother and I would probably be both in jail. I'll leave you two to talk, says Jane. I'm sure you have a lot to settle. By the way, Jake... If you see your father, tell him I said hi. And uh, we have a scene here between Hannah and the good Jake here. So, so, who am I engaged to? You or your brother? In truth, Hannah, him. I think I'm going to be sick. I'm sorry, Hannah, 
but I didn't even live in New York when you two first met. I came here looking for Lauren, and he was amazed to find him using my name. You showed up after that business with the Destroyer and the Avengers ride. I knew there was something different about you. The only way I could find him and fix what he'd done was by assuming his life the way he assumed mine. I'm sorry, Hannah. You probably wouldn't believe this, but I really did have your best interests at heart. Strangely enough, I do believe you, Jake. Where do we go from here? I'm going home for a while, to deal with family business. Will you ever come back? Yeah, Lauren and I are both paramedics, and I've come to feel that this is my place, that I can make up for what he did. Call me when you return, says Hannah, and gives him a smooch. Take care, Mr. Olson. And um, so that little tender scene ends, and Jake Olson goes running off into uh, the alleyway, having wrapped up all of his problems. And he's thinking to himself, And so, the time hath come to put the affairs of Midgard behind me. For the events threatening the universe are of greater import. Thus must Jake Olson depart this world, that Thor, god of thunder, might finally journey to the stars in search of Thanos. And uh, Thor goes sailing up over New York City, and we have, uh, you know, sailing over, it looks like the Brooklyn Bridge. I didn't realize there was a big forest next to the Brooklyn Bridge, but that's sure what it looks like in this picture. <laughs> Maybe it's a park, I'm not really sure, anyway. Uh, so he's uh, flying over New York, and then we have a little bit of a, an epilogue here. And we have, uh, it says, elsewhere in a place of golden harmony... And we have uh, the soul of Jake Olson, and it's floating there kind of in a whirlwind. It's all naked. It's got kind of swirly mist kind of covering his naughty bits. Are you God? Nay, my son. I am merely he who would balance the cosmic scales. Thou wert a criminal in life, yet thy life was sullied by another in death, a fate no man should suffer. Please, don't send me back to Mephisto, please. Nay, mortal, there is a power far greater than mine, and it is to him that I commend thy spirit now. Let peace envelop thy being, mortal, for thou hast suffered enow. And so uh, Jake Olson's soul goes soaring back off into the sky, as it were. And uh, we then shift back to the jail. We have Demetrius and, uh, and uh, Oren, uh, and he's shoved him into a jail cell. And one of the cops is like, well, 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 a would-be cop killer, eh? Yup, and he's going to do time, says Demetrius. Hard time. And Loki is thinking to himself inside Lauren's body, would that I might speak the truth, but even I dare not break my pledge to Odin lest I face exile. Not yet. Easy, Collins, says Lauren. One day you're going to get yours. Mouth off all you want, Olsen, but for now you're mine. And I'm going to see you pay for what you've done. And Lauren's like, no. And he had the ghostly image of Loki behind him shouting, no. Calcanite. And that is the end. All right. So we're not quite the end, though, because we actually have a second story. Being a Marvel annual, of course, there's a second story. And this one is a tale of the recorder. And um, it's called... Of Ashes and Defeat. Dan Jurgens was the writer. Jose Ladrude was the artist and colorist. 
RS and Comic Crafts West did the letters. Tom Brevoort was the editor, and Bob Harris is the editor-in-chief. And the art style on this one is really unusual. It's, it's way more sort of heavy metal-ish sort of art style, like almost like Mobius or, or one of those, uh, you know, the European artists. It's definitely not a, a standard U.S. style uh, of, of art for comics. And we have the recorder, and he's standing, and it looks like a... Uh, a ruined landscape, and he's saying, Declaration, I am the recorder. It is my function to chronicle and document the most significant of events for my masters, the coloners of Rigel. Statement, one such event is their proud planet's annihilation, the result of a savage attack launched by one whose pursuit of mass death exceeds any concept or of reason, whose very existence dangers us all. And so the recorder is narrating this while he's going through this you know, really spectacular sort of sci-fi scenery. But we can see that uh, you know, the, the city is all damaged and destroyed. Declaration. Throughout the known cosmos, Rigel is considered home to one of the greatest civilizations ever. Rarely has a race achieved such balance of integrity, insight, intelligence, spirit, and pursuit of that which is noble. Statement. Mere words cannot adequately convey the horror of the story I recount. Observe a scene only a few hours old, as my holographic systems display the majestic glory only the colonizers embodied. And you get to see the, the city the way it looks before it got destroyed and all got turned to brown and all being fallen down. And this, it's again, it's, a, it's the same sci-fi city, but of course it's all intact and it looks uh, pretty cool. Fact, by chronal measurements of your world, 17 hours, 12 minutes, and 32 seconds ago, a craft of unknown origin entered Rigel's atmosphere. Displaying its potential for hostility from the start, it arrived without warning, effectively evading the most sensitive and precise detection devices ever invented. And we see a spaceship entering a space, and we see the Mangog uh, kind of jumping out of it and, and landing on the ground here. Observation. From the moment first contact was established, avoidance of conflict was impossible. Kneel before the might and fury of Mangog, says Mangog. Cower before he who wages war with the power of a billion billion beings. And he's wrecking everything up and the the, um, the, the ships are kind of coming after him and Mangog is just tearing everything apart. Fact. The unstoppable creature known as Mangog attacked without provocation or reason. In his wake, there was only destruction and death, a stunningly effective kill ratio for one lone beast. And we see, you know, the Rigelians coming after him and the uh, Mangog pretty much smashing them flat here. Observation. Despite their scientific accomplishments, the colonizers could offer little in the way of adequate defenses. Within moments of the battle start, they realized only the most desperate of measures might succeed. And we see the Rigelians there. Um, it looks like they're they're talking with each other, and you have like the the, the chief of the Rigelians, the guy with the beard, and it uh, looks like uh, this could be Tananiel here with him. Observation: The Rigelians were quick to realize the need for the ultimate countermeasure. In an effort to save as many lives as possible, they utilized the Sun Shredder, an energy beam powerful enough to tear apart the core of a star. Fact: In an effort to stop Mangog's furious attack, the Rigelians willingly obliterated 
422 square blocks of their capital city. So I guess that's how everything got destroyed. The Regellians did it themselves. We see an energy beam kind of trying to smash down the Mangog and, and uh, destroying the city and creating a big mess. Observation. This act of desperation availed them not. The unstoppable juggernaut continued its relentless rampage. And we go back to the scene of the battle. There's a, like spaceships attacking and uh, rocks and debris all flying around. And the Mangog is, is basically wrecking havoc here. Statement, for over nine hours, the behemoth continued his assault. So catastrophic were the Regellian losses that an evacuation order was issued. The ever-efficient colonizers scurried into enormous space arcs, barely able to believe that circumstances which surrounded them and we see uh, one of the space arcs being destroyed and uh, it's exploding in these big flames and uh, the recorder looks like he's standing in front of it, but it's obviously Holgrim. Fact, in one instance, an arc succumbed to Mangog's brutality. 12,216 Regellian passengers perished. Observation, fearing the end was near, the High Commissioner Emeritus and his staff fled to a massive bunker built to withstand any attack conceivable. Supposition, it was not, however, built to be impervious to a surprise intrusion. And it shows um, like a, a floating platform going down into like this big hole in the ground. And there's uh, this, like sliding doors coming over it. And uh, we are down into the uh, like the, the belly of this uh, you know, bunker or whatever. And it turns out that Thanos is there just kind of standing there waiting for them. Statement inside the true orchestrator of the attack waited. Even the colonizers trembled in awe and fear of Thanos. Pleasantries were not exchanged. With a voice capable of making entire worlds shudder, he merely said, The fire jewel. Give it to me and Mangog's attack will end. Observation. He spoke no more, nor did he need to. His intent was clear. The fire jewel would only be of assistance to one possessing the map of all ending and a desire to find the designate. The High Commissioner Emeritus resisted his request. And it shows uh, there's a spaceship in orbit, same one who appeared earlier. And it's shooting down this big massive ray and destroying lots and lots and lots of Virgilians and their city. Observation. Thanos gave no answer, no indication of emotion. His ship did that for him. It let loose a searing radiation burst that ripped across the planet's surface with indescribable speed. Fact, in 11.7 seconds, Rigel's population was cut by 50%. By 24.2 seconds, only 12% of its people remained alive. And we see the Rigelians being uh, vaporized by this ray. And they've got great big skulls because they've got great big heads. And there's just debris and people just flying everywhere. Supposition, the High Commissioner had no choice but to give Thanos what he wanted. Despite the protestations of Tananile and others around him, he told Thanos where the fire jewel was kept. And the show shows him uh, kind of gesturing towards the wall here. And then we see a, a big white ray coming down and grabbing like this big box and ripping it out um, like a tractor beam. Observation, Thanos's ship ripped the protective vault out of its locks, taking the invaluable jewel. With the fire jewel, Thanos can illuminate the true path of reaching the designate appear on the map of the all-knowing. And we get uh, a scene here of, um, of a full-page spread here, and it's Thor, 
and he's just kind of standing in midair shouting. Uh, recorder is still, of course, uh, narrating here. Conclusion, Thanos the Conqueror, destroyed, and bringer of death now controls the fate of the universe. Supposition, none of us is likely to live beyond tomorrow. And they have uh, Thor, and he's floating in the air, and he's shouting, and he's saying, By the thousand threats of Ragnarok, if this be true, then tis upon the shoulders of Thor that salvation doth rest. And a voice from behind him, Hasgardian. And it turns out to be a tan and isle. Should the mad titan reach the designate, all we know will be forever lost. Might he know where the map doth next guide Thanos, milady? To Hamus. Beyond that, only Thanos knows. Then Thor can only pursue and never intercept yon monster. Alas, the conditions of war are rarely a favor. To Mahast, then, mighty Mjolnir. And he's whipping Mjolnir around and he takes off. Tis there thou must take me. And he goes taking off. And uh, the recorder watching him go, obviously, since he recorded all this. Conclusion. As I watch the Thunder God depart, it seems quite probable that these hours I document now will most surely be our last. And it says, continued in the Mighty Thor number 22. And that is Thor Annual. Um, yeah, for the year 2000. Doesn't have an issue number and all that. And we're going to be talking about it a little bit after this message. Star Trek. Comic books. Mythology. Video games. Toys. Star Wars. Just about any geeky topic you can think of could be covered on the Hammer Podcast, presented by two true freaks. Come join me, Gene Hendricks, for whatever my disjointed mental processes can come up with. And be careful, or you might just learn something before we're done. The Hammer Podcast is available monthly, both on its own iTunes feed and at twotruefreaks.com. And we're back. So I'm going to talk about the second story first because it's obviously it's, it's much shorter. Um, it's an interesting piece. I, I, I think that this artist style doesn't really appeal to me that much. Again, like I said, it's very heavy metal-y. And as long as we're looking at the, the world of the Regellians and their buildings and their spaceships and the sci-fi environment, it looks really good. But when you get into the, uh, you know, the appearance of Thor here, it's clear that this artist has a, um, he has a hard time drawing the human figure realistically. So Thor is out of proportion throughout. I mean, it's, I mean, comically out of proportion. It, it just doesn't seem to be able to draw the human figure uh, in a way that's very convincing. In the, in the full page spread here of Thor shouting is uh, his waist is, pretty much non-existent his, his chest is his waist <laughs> and he's got these really thick arms that are, are bigger than his head and they're actually a little bit bigger than his legs so it's kind of is kind of a starfish looking Thor here but as far as like the ruins and you know the statues and and even you know, the depiction of the of the Regellians, they look okay. The recorder, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be in human form, and this, like I said, this artist has a few problems with the human form. 
But I think that uh, the recorder looks better than Thor does here. But I will say that the, this artist's mastery of, of architecture and technology is pretty good. I mean, there's there's a lot of good things to say about the art in you know instead of just kind of criticizing his anatomy. But uh, yeah, so obviously this was the you know, to continue on the Thanos Mangog storyline where we have the sort of of wrap up of Jake Olson's story. So let's uh, go ahead and talk about uh, part one here. Now, uh, first of all, I have to say Jerry Ordway is a favorite artist of mine. I've always been a fan. Love his work. It looks magnificent here. I mean, I, I don't generally like uh, Claus Johnson as an inker. I, I know I've talked about that before. But here on Ordway, Ordway is a pretty tight penciler. And I think that, that you know, Johnson's inks looks pretty good over, over uh, you know, this. I like the way everyone looks. Uh, so he draws a better Odin than a lot of people, including, I think, uh, almost better than uh, J.R. Jr., yeah, by and large, I, I really wish that Jerry Ordway had been drawing the regular book. I know that Jerry can be, uh, you know, a little bit slow at his at his trade, but you know, I feel like he's a sort of, I think, criminally underutilized uh, penciler. And I, you know, as strong as he always is, I, I really think that that we should see a lot more of Jerry Ordway's work. But you know, at least he got this. It's kind of a shame that you really don't see him in mainstream uh, Marvel and DC books much anymore. I'm, I'm hoping that maybe with the, this whole DC revival thing, maybe Ordway will actually have you know, some, you know, some actual work again, because I, I think it's a real shame that he's not working. Story-wise, there's a lot of things here that don't really make sense. First of all, I'm kind of confused here. Was Jake Olson really twins? Or was that a story that they concocted to get Jake out of trouble? Because it's really not very clear. Did Loki actually animate Lauren Olsen's corpse? Or was, or was Jake the one that he actually revived? Was, was Jake really the evil one? Was Lauren really the good one? Was, you know, did Loki create the second Jake? It's not really clear what's going on here. And, you know, Hannah actually... You know, takes the news that that she was engaged to the evil Jake. You know, well, surprisingly well. <laughs> um, and, and it seems that, that they're really trying so hard to wrap up the story that they're they're kind of um, kind of pushing on the borders here of not being very realistic or believable. Um, so we just have this, it's all wrapped up in a really almost too convenient way. I think that's my biggest problem with the story. And and it's a shame because the artwork's fantastic. I don't know where Balder was at the beginning of the issue, but uh, he just kind of shows up out of nowhere and, and people are like, like he was there all along. But all the scenes uh, in Asgard, it, it looks like uh, Ordway didn't draw very many backgrounds for Asgard, but we have some pretty detailed backgrounds here in New York City. Maybe, I don't know, is he not comfortable with this sort of fantasy setting? I'm not really sure. But it's, it is odd that in Asgard we have only the most basic of backgrounds and you know, sort of the bases of pillars and we have a, a hallway with some windows in it. But then you get back to New York City and we've got you know, fully detailed skyscrapers. The, the robbery scene in the store is amazing because the, uh, the internal map of the artwork is spot on throughout. So it's clear that you know, Ordway had a very, very definitive idea of where things are in this store. And we're seeing things from every different angle and it's all very consistent. So I think that that's one of those things that you know, just makes Ordway an awesome penciler. 
But again, I'm a little confused by the whole two Jakes thing and, and whether one of them was real, is one of them you know, magic, is, you know, I'm really not sure. And, and if so, did they actually sort of thwart justice by letting Jake free? It just, uh, it just seems odd to me that, uh, that they would do that. Uh, I mean, ju- just in the interest of wrapping up the, the whole Jake Olson thing. Now, maybe it's not wrapped up. Maybe eventually we have some, some uh, continuation of this plot, but it, it just seems like it might be a, a perversion of justice if, uh, if, if they were actually deceiving everybody about this whole evil twin thing. So anyway, if anybody knows the answer, they can let me know. Uh, you can email the show. The email address is radiofreeasgard at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, the Radio Free Asgard Facebook group. Come join us there and uh, yeah, join the conversations. There's always something going on there, even if it's not a whole lot while I've been gone. But, uh, you know, hey, uh, big shout out here to Manuel and to uh, Chris Bendorf and all the others for posting stuff while I was traveling because it, it was very much appreciated keeping the, uh, the Thor news flowing even while I was out of the country. All right. And with that, this extra long edition of Radio Free Asgard is at a close. Once again, folks, thanks very much for listening. I really do appreciate it. And as always, we'll see you next week here on Radio Free Asgard. You have been listening to Radio Free Asgard, a production of Tom Harris USA Productions, which is totally responsible for its content. The Mighty Thor and all associated characters are mostly copyright Marvel Comics. The stories presented are done so for educational, review, and entertainment purposes only. No ownership is implied. The silly voices, however, well, they're all me. Musical selections from Eden, the Invincible Sword of the Elfsmith, are copyright Mott's Vent and are used with permission. If you like what you've heard on the show, we hope you'll leave us a review on iTunes, tell your friends, or even join our Facebook group. We really love hearing from our listeners, and we appreciate all of your support. Thanks once again very much for listening to Radio Free Asgard.